The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. If you'll just turn your Bibles back open to that text of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to read a little bit in the front of what you have just shared together and at the conclusion. Um, as we come to the Lord's Supper tonight, we want God's Word and by God's Spirit to prepare our hearts. And uh, as we come to the Lord's Supper, we come to partake of Jesus. Not because the elements change, but we partake of Him by faith. And faith comes from hearing the word, thus God's word by God's spirit is what brings us to partake of the table as we come to the cup and to the bread. In 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, where you just read, I'd like for you to back up uh, to verse 17. Verse 17. But in the following instructions, as he sets up the Lord's Supper in its proper celebration for the church, he says this. In, in the following instructions, I do not commend you. In other words, I'm going to have to admonish you. Why? Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. <clears throat> in other words, the Lord's Supper has been designed as a means of grace to help us grow. But because they were misusing the Lord's Supper, it had become a liability instead of an asset to their Christian walk. So what needs to happen? Well, in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be reconciled, recognized. But when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. In other words, they're thoughtless about each other. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. I'm going to reread what we just read together. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup... You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. 
This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. In other words, he says, you've got problems physically and spiritually and emotionally in this church. And the reason, one of the reasons why, it's the hand of God's discipline upon you. Not the judgment of condemnation to the lost but the judgment of discipline of the Lord disciplining them because they were not coming to the table, discerning the body and focused upon Christ. And that's why it was happening. And that's why he wanted to admonish them that the table would become an asset. Then he finishes this way. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Brothers and sisters, there's just a couple of thoughts I'd like to give to us as we come to the table. And uh, like uh, Bruce was saying, I don't think I'm... Giddy, but I've been very excited about the opportunity that we have to come to the Lord's Supper together. And I've been anticipating it for many, many, many reasons. But I'd like to just share a couple of thoughts with you. Interestingly, in the Bible, there are a number of terms that are used as uh, identifying marks and word pictures of Christ's church. Christ's church is called the Bride of Christ. It's called, it's called um, the Army of the Lord. It is called um, a number of things, the family of God. Interestingly, there are two words that are used that translate church in your Bible. Uh, One is a word, ecclesia. It's the word that means the called out ones. And the other is the word, sunagoge. It means the called together ones. Now, it's obvious we can't be the called together ones until we're the called out ones. We have to be called out of the, of the ignorance of darkness. We have to be called out by the grace of God from the idolatry of self. We have to be called out from the insanity of sin. And we're called out of that to Christ. Whereby we put our trust in him alone for the forgiveness of our sins, for the breaking of the power of sin, and for growing us so that we walk away from the practice of sin, that we may walk in the grace of God for Christ. So we're the called out ones as God's family, but we're also called the sunagoge, the called together ones. That's why you see... The church called family. A number of years ago, I had, um, within the space of a year, I lost my father, uh, who was kind of bigger than life in my life. And then my mother, who was just uh, the rock uh, in, throughout all of our lives. I was up in Charlotte, actually attending and preaching at the General Assembly that year, which was being held in Charlotte. And 
I had the chance to see some of my friends back at Christ Covenant. I had been serving there for 18 years before I came here, and so got a chance to see a number of them. And then my mother came over that Friday night, and we had a dinner together with my sisters, and it was a wonderful time of fellowship. And and then um, uh, mother said, uh, well, how am I getting home? And I said, well, Mama, I brought, I brought you, and my Mama taught me whoever I brought to the party and the dance I had to take home, so I'm taking you home. So I took her home, and it was not many minutes later that I got a phone call from her, and uh, she um, uh, met with a catastrophic embolism. And um, thankfully, I was able to get there before she went to the Lord, but uh, she did go to the Lord. The next day, I had already committed to doing a wedding for some folks there at Christ Covenant, so we did that wedding, then I got in the car and drove back here that Saturday. I had the great privilege to be here on the Lord's Day and to worship and, um, and to be with my family here and then my family, my church family that was here. One of the very gracious ladies, and this church is full of very godly, gracious ladies, wonderful daughters of Sarah and mothers in Israel. I'm very grateful for all of them. And uh, she came up to me afterwards and she said, Pastor, I admire your sense of duty to drive back here for worship. But, you know, you really didn't have to. (laughs) And I said to her, I said, "Um, ma'am, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your graciousness. But you need to know, I wished I could claim the high ground of duty, but I got back here because there was no other place I wanted to be. I lost my mama. And I wanted to be with my family. Not only my family, but also my church family. And I wanted to feast in worship that Lord's Day. And then I'd be able to get back. Folks, I believe we are in some challenging years in our nation. I believe we are in some challenging years in the winnowing of the evangelical church. I think there are even some challenges that are facing my own denomination. But I think the one thing that gives me such encouragement is my eyes are fixed on Jesus. And I'm grateful to be a part of his church, his family. Because that's when you begin to sense family, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the turmoil of the culture, whether it's the challenges and the seemingly insipid intrusion of Satan into the leadership of even the professing evangelical church. It is in moments of adversity that family begins to manifest itself. Well, that's the way it was in my family growing up. Now, when we got together, we would have at each other, but when the pressure came, uh, there was immediate loyalty and dependability. Now, one of the great things about family is, uh, is the fact that families love to feast together. And God knows that his family, we need each other, And he has provided not only a feast for us, and the feast is not in the quantity or even the quality of what we partake of. It is in the substance of what it directs us to. 
And that is the atoning death of Christ and the glory and majesty of his righteousness for us. It's here that his family focuses to the glory of the Father upon the Son he gave to save us from our sins. That we may grow together in grace. Do you remember that word sunagoge? The noun is translated congregation or church. But the verb is in the text I read to you five times. Now, I don't have time to go back over it. But if you'll go back over what I read, you'll see five times the noun is made into a verb. And it says concerning the Lord's Supper, when you come together. It's no accident we sang tonight. We gather together to ask the Lord's blessing. I've been asked many times during this pandemic about the Lord's Supper and virtual Lord's Supper. I just don't see it. It's what we do when we come together. And in case we miss it, he gives it to us five times in that one text. But he also tells us to look at how you come together. You see, they had this thing called the agape feast, the early church. Now, we've kind of replaced it with the notion of a communion season. So we'll announce communion the week before, and we'll give ways for you to prepare with the catechism and preaching and study so that we are prepared, so that we come in a manner worthy of the Lord. Not that we're worthy, but we come in a manner worthy so that we're prepared to benefit from the Lord's Supper. But when the text tells us this, when the text calls us to this, it warns us that we might come together in a way that is not profitable in the Lord. In fact, in this agape feast, what they would do, in fact, I have stood in a place where likely this happened at Corinth. And when I stood in that place, likely where it happened, I was thinking about what the Apostle Paul said to them. They would have what the early church called the agape feast, the love feast. But in this case, there was no love. Those who had flaunted what they had in front of those who had not. And then they would come to the cup and the bread together after their agape feast. And flaunting to one another and dividing up instead of coming together. That's what this table is calling us to do, to come together. How do we do it in the best possible way? Well, brothers and sisters, um, we have just been through 70 days of a call to fervent prayer. I want you to know that while our 70 days concludes this Sunday with as we come to the table, you do not have to cease fervent prayer. But I hope you were listening carefully to those who led us in prayer. You probably heard something regularly. Our call to fervent prayer, while it continues, we're now asking you to move into a season of thanksgiving to the Lord. Do you remember when the Bible brings us to the reality of adversity? It says this. Remember to give thanks in everything.
For this is God's will for your life. Yes, even the tests, even the trials, even the disappointments. We are moving into a season of challenge. I believe that. But I don't want to run from it. I'm grateful that in a family there are those who lead with courage. And I am grateful for all of our informal leaders as well as the formal leaders of elders and deacons and pastoral staff. But not only lead with courage, they lead with compassion. They know how to discern the body rightly. They know how to wait for one another. They know how to care for one another. We have in our house a trellis that I put up that that will immediately clue you to what is about to happen. And that is a couple of weeks ago, the remnants of a hurricane that came in in Louisiana or Texas. They regularly let them in down there. And then send them right on up to us, whatever's left over. And so that when I got up the next morning, the trellis was over. (laughs) It was down. And I remember saying to Cindy, I know why it fell. I didn't do a good job in nailing it down. When the adversity comes, now we find out, are we built on the foundation? And the family comes together. Now, how do we come together? I'm going to ask you to do three things. I'm going to ask you, and I'm only drawing from the text. I'm asking you, use the table to examine yourself. We so readily examine everybody else. Have the table be God's instrument to examine yourself. Secondly, discern your relationships in the family of God. I know we are not as we are not having the same levels of intimacy with everybody in God's family. But are you with your own unique personality? Are you functioning in the family? It's not just drive by for a holiday. It's I'm in the family. These are my brothers and sisters. I want to be here for them. I want to be with them. I want to encourage them. Like any other family, it doesn't always go the way I want it to go. But I want to be there for one another. And then thirdly, when we gather together, examining ourselves and Applying ourselves into our relationships redemptively with each other. Here's the third thing. Let's gather together having daily sought to gather others to Christ and the family. Not only self-examination, not only body edification, but the family comes together having sought to bring others to Christ and in the family. We gather together, having sought to gather others to our Savior and into his family, to know the blessings of true 
family unity. The church family, when I think of the family I grew up in and the family I have had the privilege to be the daddy and husband in, nobody is the same. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you love if God would keep giving us more and more and more diversity economically, socially, ethnically, everything. And then the world looks and says, now what brings those people together? They aren't birds of a feather. Why do they come together? That could be a hymn. I just came up with a line right there. Why do they come together? It's because those who are not a people have become the people of God and their family. They love one another. And the world will see that they love one another. And they care for one another with their unique gifts and abilities. So come to our Thanksgiving meal. Examine yourself. And then discern, how can I edify my brothers and sisters? The family's not all about me. The family is here as the blessing of our Father through His Son and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, let me not grieve the Spirit, but may we welcome Him in how we love one another. And, oh, God, as the days approach, even as my dear sister prayed, would you send that glorious awakening? And would you send it to us and in us and through us? So that when we gather together, we gather together having sought to gather others to our Savior and our Lord. Now come and taste and drink. The Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the moments that we could be together in your word. Thank you for the great and glorious privilege to serve you as your people. Lord, your, this, your church is an army that's, as was prayed, on a mission to declare a message given the weapons of the Spirit for ministry. Your church is the bride. Your church is the temple of the Lord. Your church is pictured gloriously and wonderfully because of its many faceted callings and blessings. But your church is family. Father, may we, as we meet in this meal, give thanks. May we examine ourselves. May we discern our relationships with each other. And Father, may we seek not only coming to the meal, but even when we leave the meal, to gather others into the gathering of your family by leading them to Christ and bringing Christ to them. But most of all, right now, For this family and those who have come to be with us tonight, I pray that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, 
who shed his blood. Thus we drink the cup of life. Who took our sins in his body. Thus we no longer bear them. May we hear and see our Savior. Fresh, new, to be refreshed and to be renewed. May we see and hear him by faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.